And welcome back to the Stash It or Pass It podcast. This is your weekly report for everything crypto, cannabis, and culture. Crypto being our weather report, cannabis being our traffic report, and the anything goes culture report. Hey, we're really excited about the show we got put together for everybody today. We're going to start off with a three-minute mindful minute from our man, Big Smudge, Stash Adams. And after that, we're going to jump into the weather report and hear from uh, co-founder of Worker Capital, Austin Barnard, and see what's going on in the uh, crypto universe and get caught up in everything Bitcoin news and whatnot. From there, we're going to hear from uh, my man, Big Smudge, in the uh, strains of the week. See uh, see what cannabis he is uh, smoking on this week. And then from there, we're going to uh, jump into the culture report where we uh, catch up with some news, what's going on at Ohio State, some of the NIL, NIL deals and whatnot. After that, we uh, we talk a little bit about mental health, mental health and sports. And uh, and then from there, we, uh, we're going to check in with Dr. B, see what's happening on the traffic report and everything in the uh, cannabis industry. He's been uh, following some legislation for us and uh, keeping us updated on everything going on in the uh, cannabis uh, financial markets as well. And then uh, after that, we have a, a special interview coming at us live from F-Boy Island. It is going to be uh, our man, Jamie Wood. He is a, a former teammate of ours uh, at Ohio State and a friend of ours as well. But uh, he's on HBO Max's newest reality dating TV show. Uh, it, um, it debuted on July 29th. Uh, so they're up to uh, six episodes now. So we get to sit down with him and uh, just have some fun chatting up about the show. So uh, thanks for being with us this week and uh, buckle up and let's have some fun, baby. Stash it. Hey, everybody. It's your guys, Mike Adams and Jeff Shugart's here with the Stash of the Passive podcast. This week, we're going to start it off with a bang, another mindful minute um, after a lot of good reception from all of you guys. Uh, we want to start this week out with three oracle cards that me and Jeff just pulled. We got spiritual teacher, writing, and support. Um, so, you know, we're just, I'm just going to go through these, um, give a little bit about what the book, the guidebook said they, they meant, and how they hit me personally. Um, so the support card, we'll just start there first. Uh, I talked about having to make a difficult career transition from a job that was financially um, stable, but didn't offer you much else, passion-wise or anything like that. Um, so for me, this kind of like struck a chord with the end of my football career. You know, um, I was out for a year after low back surgery, living on a farm in Northeast Ohio, spending a lot of time in the outdoors and in the yoga space. And, you know, although when I went back, I was really happy to be physically able to play again, um, you know, at the highest level, uh, I just, I just didn't want it anymore, you know? So, um, and to be in a, in a situation where you were, have to work that hard and you put so much into it physically, mentally, emotionally, uh, when you just don't want to be there, it turns into a pretty toxic situation in your mind pretty quick. Um, so, you know, I made the decision pretty quickly that I was going to, you know, retire at the end of the season, um, you know, which, uh, which was weird because I was only 27. So a lot of people were looking at me like, why would you, how could you want to retire at 27? Um, from from something that so many people want to do uh, when when you know you can get back you know and for me it just you know I just wasn't it anymore um, so, so you know having a strong team around me people around me inner circle who supported me and in, uh, in chasing my dreams and 
um, doing things that I found passion and fun and just, you know, overall joy in um, was, was so important at that time, which takes me into the next part the spiritual teacher. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know that I'm a spiritual teacher per se, um, but, you know, I'm a yoga teacher. And this says you, uh, you heal with your classes, sessions, and seminars. Um, and that's one thing that I do take a lot of pride in, you know, being in the yoga space, being able to work hand in hand with people every single day um, who are, you know, in the space to come and work on themselves, uh, not only physically, but mentally, emotionally as well. Um, so to be able to guide them and lead them is something that I don't take for granted that I love and that it absolutely brings joy to every bit of my life. Um, it's been absolutely incredible journey this far. Uh, and, you know, I can't wait to see where it takes me. Uh, and then the writing card. You know, I thought this writing card, it says you heal, inspire, teach, and entertain with the words you write. Um, so for me, a big thing is journaling. Um, and in my personal life, I find, you know, when I have a good daily routine, I have a lot of stability. But when I let go of those things, everything kind of goes to shit. Uh, you know, and a big thing for me is writing first thing in the morning. Um, you know, I, I, at one point will start every day with a gratitude journal, um, which I think is one of the best tools that you can do. I am a big fan of the five minute journal. Um, but I felt like when, when I'm doing those things, I can, I inspire myself more, um, you know, pouring into my own cup so I can pour into other people. Um, so, and then also, you know, it brought this podcast to mind, you know, this is a, a creative outlet for Jeff and myself. And a way to connect and um, connect and interact with all you guys. So, uh, you know, really appreciate this. Uh, thanks for tuning in for another Mindful Minute with your boy, Big Mike, Jeff Shugarts. Hey, and that was the three-minute Mindful Minute with your boy, Stash Adams. Thanks so much, my friend. And we're back, folks. Welcome to week three of the Weather Report here on the Stash It or Pass It podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Shugarts, and any minute now, we're going to be going in live to check in with our weatherman, Austin Barnard, the co-founder of Orca Capital. We got a lot to cover this week. You know, there was a lot of new, exciting news. And, you know, with crypto, it's just like the weather, 24-7, 365. So we're looking forward to uh, tuning in with Austin. But before we go there, we're just going to recap last week a little bit. Um, Austin shared a lot of different knowledge with us, but we got to talk about what is a shit coin. And we wanted to bring that up because there's lots of scams out there, lots of pump and dump schemes, and we want people to be careful. So we really encourage everyone to uh, really do some research before, you know, you make some of these investments because, uh, you know, some of these things, uh, you know, really they're nothing but a scam itself. So um, which led us to Austin sharing his four pillars that he uses at Orca Capital before they make any big investments. And, you know, those were uh, the team. So you want to know the CEO, uh, see what values he has or she, what, um, how they line up with you, what, what their mission is, what they're trying to solve. You want to know the utility of the token? You know, how is it valuable? How is it going to add value and uh, gain value itself? Uh, you want to know the metrics of the token and uh, you also want to know the overall adoption and you know how they're going to get more people to keep using it uh, so it grows in value itself. Um, another thing Austin shared with us were you know his very strict and limited stash it or pass it picks and uh, you know those were BNB which is the Binance token. 
um, where you can find on Binance.us. And uh, that's also in the show notes. We got a little referral link in there for you. Um, and that's a, uh, a token that, you know, Austin really believes in. And uh, you can check back on last week's ep- episode to see uh, what he had to say about it. Uh, another one is uh, ETH, E-T-H, and that is the Ethereum token. And uh, we'll hear a little bit about uh, Ethereum this week as well. Uh, there was some really exciting news going on. So uh, be a lot to uh, look forward to there in our next episode as well. Uh, the other is uh, BTC, which is the Bitcoin token. And as we know, Austin shared with us that, you know, the less you know in this market, the more uh, you the more you should really uh, focus on Bitcoin, because, uh, you know, as an asset, as a, a store of value, uh, digital gold, some say um, it is a king until proven otherwise. And uh, that's where it stands right now. So uh, we got uh, we also talked about uh, Invest Voyager as well. That is a, a platform that Austin and myself both use. Uh, you can find some links to that in the show notes as well. A little referral link where you get $25 of Bitcoin after your first $100 investment. So you start up 25%, not a bad deal. Um, but uh, that's what we're going to be. Uh, that That's that's uh, that's our re- review of last week. Uh, we're going to dive into some new stuff this week and uh, we're looking forward to it. So without further ado, here we go with the weather report. And we're live with our weatherman, Austin Barnard, coming at us live from Chicago, Illinois. You know, I thought he was in a hotel, but he's actually at his uh, fiance's parents' house. And, you know, we just want to thank him again for being here. He doesn't have a lot of time because he's headed off for an excursion in Africa, which uh, we hope to uh, tune in with him live when he's there as well. But so without further ado, Austin, thanks again for being here with us. We gave a little bit of a recap before bringing bringing you on here. So, again, thanks for last week as well. So just to get into it real quick, you know, I just wanted to ask your thoughts on a few things going on. It's been an exciting week. You know, again, we're cruising at about 38,000 feet with Bitcoin uh, currently. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, we've heard a lot of things going on with governments and regulation. And uh, one of those being the central bank digital currency. Uh, and I would be uh, very interested to hear your opinions on this and how this might affect the markets or uh, how this might affect Bitcoin, all that. So uh, just take it away, my friend. Awesome. Thanks, Jeff. Glad to be back. Yeah, so regarding uh, central bank digital currencies, CBDC, they are essentially just like fiat currency, like the US dollar with the goal to be digitized, which is definitely happening. It's not not a matter of if, but a matter of when. Is it a threat to Bitcoin? No. And the reason is that these currencies are still backed by the government and controlled by the government, a centralized place they have the power to create more coins mint more coins create like they still hold the inflate peg the inflation they are not decentralized it's not run on an algorithm like bitcoin so it is not a threat it's just technology evolving i'm a big fan of technology always prevails bitcoin is the true leader in terms of store value and solving the um, current financial problem we have right now yeah, I mean, so because when I was like hearing about these, I would even get a little bit confused because obviously I know about uh, USDC, which, um, you know, I know I can hold that on Voyager and earn uh, interest or uh, USDT, you know, that being tethered. Now, I know they've been in the news and got something going on, too. But I mean, would that be would that be equivalent to it like a USDC, um, you know, that is used on Voyager? 
So it'd be similar in terms of they're both, they would be like kind of on a blockchain and um, digitized, but the difference is the central bank ones would be actually the code, the source code and everything would be controlled by the actual governments where they could actually mint more. Currently like USDC, USDT, these coins, yeah, they are pegged to the dollar, but they have their own consensus methodism as how they stay pegged as well as they're supposed to have a dollar, a US dollar in a bank account for every one that's minted. It's not like the the founders of these coins are able to, well, they might be doing it illegally, but printing more without having it permanently backed by by a US dollar. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's gonna be really interested to see how it all plays out. I mean, obviously, we know with government too, uh, things don't usually happen typically that fast. Uh, I know, these are things talked about on uh, Bitcoin Twitter a lot uh, with Janet Yellen and uh, even just some bigger names in the crypto space bring this up that, you know, it's time that, you know, she something needs to happen or at least, you know, make an opinion about it because I feel like they're kind of sitting on their hands, uh, sitting on their hands right now. Would you uh, think otherwise? Yeah, I mean, that's just pretty much the story of how it goes. These people are in power and control of steering a ship that is is flawed it's there's no right answer to get out of this mess that the current financial system is in so we could bash them left and right all we want but there's in my opinion there's no real solution anyway there's always a, one thing that's just going to cause another problem so i kind of just am taking more of a re- reactive approach than a proactive no i hear you and that's uh I feel like that's where I'm at too, uh, as well with, you know, how I approach things. I'm definitely not, you know, someone that uh, is super risky, but uh, I'm definitely trying to educate myself as well and, uh, you know, find some niche investments or find some, uh, find my way uh, in this new crypto universe. Uh, but that being said, just talking about government, um, I wanted to uh, lean into some different, uh, some different things happening in the news this week. You know, one of those was a square you know, reporting on its Bitcoin revenue surge. Wanted to hear your opinion about that. So what happened, um, it was $2.72 billion in uh, Q2, and that's up 200%. And uh, so that was on Cash App, now where people, um, you know, have the ability to buy Bitcoin. And I uh, just wanted to hear your, uh, your thoughts and opinion on, uh, on that and why it's, uh, why it's good for the overall adoption. Yeah, so Square and Cash App have been one of Square's been one of my favorite stocks for a long time, obviously led by Jack Dorsey, pioneer and Bitcoin advocate. Um, I think watching Square's uh, revenue grow quarter after quarter is a, just a showing sign of, of the adoption happening in place. I've been a Cash App Bitcoin user pretty much from day one. They've evolved so much, all that like dedicating bigger teams to it all the time. So yeah, the revenue is growing, but it's kind of not the best way to to calculate of how what's going on. I'd like to see deeper into what, how many new users are active on Bitcoin. But it is a, all pros. The app, you can now easily send Bitcoin from one Cash App user to the other very easy, as well as externally withdraw and deposit Bitcoin as a true hard wallet, or not hard wallet, but as, a, as a, your own wallet. So making steps in the right way and uh, excited to see these numbers skyrocket quarter after quarter. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm really excited about it too. You know, just like Austin, I use cash app a lot. And, uh, you know, just to remind everybody too, 
in the show notes, you know, I have a, a cash app referral link. Um, so just to give you an example, just this past month in uh, July, you know, I made $30 in Bitcoin just using my cash app card because you would receive, you know, up to $7 and 50 cents in Bitcoin just by using your card at a restaurant. That's part of their uh, Bitcoin boost. So cash app is a really cool, uh, a really cool platform. You know, it's definitely going to tie into the square hard wallet as well. And uh, the things that they're doing as far as trying to uh, educate people on finance and bring more financial freedom to a lot of people that probably otherwise wouldn't have known or been able to invest in Bitcoin or invest in the stock market. And, uh, you know, it's a fun uh, app as well. So I think it's encouraging some of uh, the younger generation uh, to uh, get started early. And, uh, you know, because, you know, we're not learning about this stuff in high school. So I, again, I applaud Jack Dorsey um, for his, uh, you know, for what he's doing for finance, for what he's doing, you know, in a charitable aspect as well, because uh, you, know, you never really saw anybody else taking, uh, you know, taking this uh, and running with it. So that's, uh, that's some fun news going on. Another thing <clears throat> I wanted to uh, touch base with you about as well was uh, Voyager. You know, I know we talked about Voyager a little bit last week, and that's another one you can catch in the, uh, in the show notes. we got a referral link in there. If you sign up, you get a $25 free in Bitcoin after investing a hundred bucks, but uh, some really cool stuff's going on with Voyager. You know, if you're holding that VGX token, I'm sure you woke up with a couple extra bucks in your account today, but you know, awesome. What, uh, you know, what was leading and driving that, uh, you know, that spike we saw today? Yeah. So um, Voyager just acquired Coinify, which is a um, payment settlement with crypto company. I believe they're one of the biggest in the world, if not the biggest. And kind of to go back what we were saying about Square, just how Square has the Square up where you pay at a, your coffee shop with Square. There's no doubt in the near future that it's going to be integrated with Cash App and be able to accept Bitcoin. But yeah, this is kind of what Voyager's doing. Like their their way to grow is to acquire these international companies that are going to help them expand their international user base as they're getting ready to roll that out. I think Coinify is available in like 150 countries or something, definitely over hundred countries. And what it does is it's going to be just another revenue outlet for them. People will be able to accept Bitcoin through their business and have it sit in their Voyager app where it can sit there and earn interest. And for on, on a business side for Voyager, it's a, a way for them to earn revenue to help pay this interest to their clients, which is at the co their core of their business of why people even use Voyager. When you look at the bigger picture, really what's happening here is all these di different things are just eliminating the need for a central bank. If you can, if I'm a coffee shop and I can use Coinify to accept payments into my coffee shop business Voyager account, and then I could use my Voyager debit card to pay my expenses, do I even need a bank anymore that can freeze my money at any time? So these are the bigger steps that are taking the power out of the bank and putting it into the power of the people. Absolutely. Because, uh, absolutely. Cause I know with Voyager too, that, uh, you know, it helps those Voyager, the Voyager reward program, which is going to add a utility to the BGX token. And, um, and that's like you're saying, cause then you can use your Voyager debit card to uh, pay your bills and then get rewards back and your VGX token. So just creating these little, um, you know, crypto ecosystems, it's very, uh, very exciting. And like you said, I agree, it's definitely eliminating the need for banks and for that third party uh, kind of permission, right? Like versus 
when you send something and it's either a, a confirmed or a, it's approved, right? So I, uh, I'm really excited about it and uh, wanted to ask you a couple more questions while we got you here. The next one, um, I'm sure a lot of people have heard about them are uh, NFTs. And I know me and you have talked about them before. Uh, people that might be familiar with them, um, you could see, you know, Gary V is very big into NFTs, uh, Mark Cuban as well. Um, you might hear a little bit about them on uh, CNBC. Uh, they pop up every now and then. But Austin, would love to, uh, you know, hear from you what you think about them and, uh, you know, what's the overall definition of them? Yeah, so an NFT is a non-fungible token. So it is exactly what it says, what it is. So fungible means that it's identical. So non-fungible means it's unique. So a typical fungible token would be an ERC-based token on Ethereum's network, similar to like USDC or USDT. And that's where every every one of those USDT coins are worth, they're all the, exactly the same. So it doesn't matter which USDT coin you're holding, they're, they're all worth a dollar, they're all equivalent to the same thing. Where an NFT is each coin is represents data that is unique. And it, there's a lot of power behind NFTs, whether it's um, the horse racing, the horses that you, you love to race, or, or even like tokenizing assets and tokenizing anything. That's where uh, NFTs are really going to shine. It's just breaking the surface now. Very absolutely. exciting. Yeah, absolutely. And I was going to say it's with with us, what me and Austin have talked about before is the technology behind it. Um, and what he was talking about with me in those horses is uh, it's called Zed Run. And it's a um, it's an it's a platform built on Ethereum. And when you it is digital horse racing and those horses are actually NFTs. So, you know, they're non fungible tokens that for example, one of my horses is one of 28,000. So there will only ever be 28,000. And they're very, there's different bloodlines and names and colors, everything that goes into it. And uh, they can never be changed because it's an NFT. And uh, so that's why I wanted to bring it up because, you know, NFTs is going to broaden way outside of, you know, the art world. And, uh, you know, some of these things you might see online right now and only associate an NFT with, you know, a, uh, a cool piece of digital art or whatever or uh, one of those things. And, uh, and that would be, so for example, I always think of, um, think of like the title agency, for example, or like any different kind of contracts where you don't necessarily need those paper contracts because they can be, you know, re recreated or duplicated and lead to different things um, and fraud and whatnot. So I wanted to ask you about that, Austin. I mean, do you see it replacing a uh, big picture uh, industries like that? Because I know, for example, the title industry, that's probably a $20 billion industry that, uh, you know, I could see easily replaced by something like a, uh, you know, digitized NFT. Yeah. So just even bigger picture, the blockchain, which includes NFTs and non-NFTs, they, what the blockchain is in, enhancing and making more efficient is data. Anytime you need to read data, write data, access data, store data, send data, any part of any business that requires any of that will all, will, will be benefited by blockchain. It's just a matter of time. The All about data storage and transfer and, and accessibility will all be improved via blockchain. And NFTs are a huge part of a, a lot of the sectors. Cool, cool. Well, uh, 
thanks for sharing that. You know, as you were saying that, you know, I see uh, Kathy Wood just uh, actually retweeted a couple of things where they're going to be talking about NFTs as well. So it's a very exciting space. I encourage everyone to uh, dig a little deeper into it because it's much more than uh, some of these little pieces of art or something that might look uh, extremely overvalued when they talk about it on CNBC. But um, just to uh, ask a couple more things, you know, in the past, we've talked about uh, tokenization and uh, tokenization of assets. So wanted to uh, ask you about that and, uh, you know, how that might look in the future. For example, if, uh, you know, the mortgage on my house was a tokenized asset that I could use. Yeah, let's make it even easier um, example, like tokenizing a building. Let's say there's a huge high rise in New York City a billion dollar building that that building can be tokenized into a bunch of tokens that are unique to that building. And your grandma can buy $1 worth of this building and have it on the blockchain as a token to prove that she is the owner. And people think that all this technology is scary for governments aren't going to want it and stuff. But really when you look at it, anything on the blockchain is public information. So Really, when you're looking at this building that's tokenized, I could just look on the ledger and see every single owner of the building. And if I'm a government, that's an easy way to know who to tax even. So it's really not here to, to fight any government. It's just to make things more transparent and, and actually easier and more accessible for other people. Like, since when can you buy $1 worth of a building ever? Like, it, it's never been a thing. You've always had to be a person with money and power to to do big, big things. And this is opening it up to everybody. No, that's really cool. I, uh, I actually saw a, um, a story where they were talking about it. Over, I think it was a, a, a winery over in Italy, but they were selling, you know, they were tokenizing like really fine wine. And it, it actually made me think of, um, you know, kind of how NetJets was originally, you know, started and you own like shares of the plane. And, um, you know, you, these people basically owned, like shares of like these different uh, wines that were catered in and whatnot. But uh, I might, you know, be confusing people. So sorry if, uh, if that got a little scattered, but um, you know, Austin, give a little example how you did me one time when we're talking about, you know, a to with that tokenization, how, you know, say I owned a thousand dollars of that building and I needed it and I needed to pay something else. Like how would that work within tokenization? Well, so yeah, the tokenization and fractional ownership of anything makes it easier to transfer ownership. So really, it's just like to owning a token of a stock, I don't have to go through a broker to send it to someone. I could be able to send a fraction of my ownership in the building or my ownership of Apple directly to you 24-7, 365. I don't need to go through Fidelity on a work on a business day to actually make it happen. I could be sitting talking to you and we make a deal and we, you send me some Apple shares on the blockchain and I could send you some ownership of my building on the blockchain. There's no need for a, a third party media intermediary or a stable fiat currency to do any of the transaction. No, I love that, man. And just, that's why I love asking you about it. Cause you know, you're so poised in your answer and you really understand this stuff. So that makes sense to me. I really hope, um, you know, that's starting to make sense to some of our listeners out there. And uh, maybe it sets off some light bulbs and some heads and whatnot too. how, uh, how it's done for me in the past. So uh, Austin, I know, uh, I know you're really busy today. 
and uh, you're getting ready for that safari. So we hope we can catch you next week. But again, thank you so much, my friend, and uh, we will see you next time. Appreciate it as always. Have a good one, Jeff. All Talk right, to you on the other side. Yes, sir. And just to add a few more headlines to our weather report, these will be a couple of stories that we'll continue to follow. But just in overall Bitcoin and crypto adoption, we see that a uh, national food chain, Quiznos, they're about to begin accepting Bitcoin payments with a new partnership with BACT, that's B-A-K-K-T. They're a digital payments provider that was actually started by the Intercontinental Exchange in 2018, who is the owner of the New York Stock Exchange. So that's exciting to see. Uh, not sure if you've ever had Quiznos before, but my uh, my listeners out there in Texas, that's actually where I'm from. You know, I know they've had a toasty sub every now and then. Uh, some other news is Wells Fargo. They are now offering Bitcoin and crypto exposure uh, to their wealthy clients. Um, you know, that's so nice of them. I'm so glad the rich people get to buy Bitcoin and crypto. Uh, and uh, also uh, JP Morgan, um, they are they have opened up crypto trading to all clients. So uh, not sure if anyone out there knows, uh, you know, their CEO, but, you know, he spent, uh, you know, the better half of a decade just really uh, trying to run Bitcoin into the ground. So uh, as you can see, as uh, one uh, Elon Musk may have said before, uh, it was inevitable. So here we are. And JP Morgan has uh, opened up crypto trading to all their all clients. So. Uh, another story I think is pretty cool that uh, I encourage everyone to check out is Bitcoin Beach, and that is in uh, El Vante, uh, El Salvador, uh, Vante Beach in El Salvador, and uh, pretty cool down there. Um, essentially, El Salvador has made Bitcoin a legal tender. Um, the previous legal, t- legal tender was the U.S. dollar, so uh, be interesting to see how it all uh, shakes out. Uh, that goes into effect uh, next month, Mar- or, uh, next month, September 6th, I believe. Uh, some other things in the news this week, Gary Gensler, uh, he was interviewed a few times, but he's the chairman of uh, the SEC um, within, uh, you know, the markets and whatnot. And, uh, you know, he came out, um, you know, not really negative against Bitcoin by any means. Uh, he had to, what he had to say was, you know, I'm pro innovation, but we also need rules on the road. Satoshi Nakamoto's invention, if it's going to meet its potential, it needs to come within public policy frameworks. So, I know that's going to ruffle some people's feathers a little bit within the Bitcoin community and crypto community uh, as far as governments getting their hands in it. So we'll see how it uh, all shakes out. But, um, you know, I wouldn't say that, you know, they were uh, negative interviews by any means. Um, I'd say he's accepting the adoption of it. And, uh, you know, he realizes that it's a a powerful tool itself. You know, he was a a MIT professor where he actually taught uh, classes on cryptocurrency. So, yeah makes sense to me. I think it makes sense to him. Uh, Next week, we're going to dive in a little bit of uh, Satoshi Nakamoto. It's a pretty cool story within, uh, you know, the whole uh, Bitcoin, um, the whole uh, Bitcoin story. So I think y'all would like to hear that. And uh, we're going to dive into uh, some Bitcoin reward programs as well. Uh, For example, you know, I have a Visa debit card that um, I get cashback rewards uh, in Bitcoin. So, uh, so far, you know, I've actually made uh, over about a hundred bucks and, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but my Huntington bank debit card or my Chase debit card never gave me any rewards back. So uh, pretty excited to uh, share that with everybody. And, uh, you know, as always, you know, thank you so much for being with us. And uh, now we will head over to the culture report. And it's that time again for the strains of the week. 
And you know, I'm still smoking on that same thing I was smoking on last week, and that's a little OG Kush. But, you know, that's the backbone of the West Coast. And uh, without OG Kush, you know, we don't have Girl Scout cookies. We don't have headbands. So, you know, you got to uh, give some respect to the OG. But uh, my man, Big Smoke over here, Big Mike, Big Smudge, I know he's got something good for us. So, Mike, what you got this week? And we got a dirty little trio for you. Uh, I got some of that Georgia pie. Georgia Love pie. All three of them, pretty, uh, pretty like put you down type of weeds. Oh, um, indica. Yeah, a little indica dominant hybrid game going. Uh, the Georgia pie, love it. Pretty flower, a little purple, you know, all that. It's real frosty. Mm. Uh, peanut butter breath. Uh, peanut butter breath. That's a dosey dough and the Mendo cross um, hybrid. Hope you don't have the peanut allergy. <laughs> Here. <laughs> And uh, the last one we got is the biscotti. Love the biscotti. Uh, you know, that's coming out of the cookies brand. So, you know, all their stuff is chef's kiss, top notch. Absolutely. Always makes me think of the cookie monster. You know, I remember I was just driving down Las Vegas uh, Boulevard and you just see the big old billboard cookies. And I was like, man, what a world. It's great. Speaking of the cookie monster, how about your girl, Rihanna? Oh, man, let me tell you about the girl, Rihanna, and shout out to her. You know, so she is now officially a billionaire, 1.7 billion, 33 years old. And uh, we looked this up, you know, she's the wealthiest female. Now she's the wealthiest female musician. And uh, what was it, Mike? Was she now the third black billionaire, uh, woman billionaire? In the the world? third black female billionaire in the world, I think is what it said. Wow, man. So incredible you know, congratulations to her. Shout out to her. You know, I saw that. So she owns 50% of, uh, how do you say it? Fenty Beauty? Yeah, yeah Fenty. Yeah, Fenty, like Fenty Beauty. And she's got another $270 million invested in Savage Fenty. I believe that's the name of that brand. But uh, yeah, 1.7B. Shout out to Rihanna. You know, I'm going to roll one up and smoke it in your celebration, girl. <laughs> that bad, bad girl, Riri. Get it. Hey, let's go. Hey, stash it. You know, in some other news from the from the uh, culture report, you know, there is uh, news out of Ohio State. You know, shout out to the Buckeyes, Mike and myself. Uh, you know, as a lot of our listeners know, our former Ohio State guys. But Ohio State will now allow student athletes to profit by using Ohio State's trademarks. So, definitely a uh, a big step there. It's pretty huge. So, I. Uh, I don't know the ins and outs of it, but what it makes me think of is, you know, how they want to sell those jerseys and different things like that with guys and gals names on them. So, you know who this makes me think of? Hmm. Chris Fields. Right. Makes me think of Chris Fields. So one of our teammates from Ohio State, a wide receiver, a year younger than two years younger than us. Um, he uh, during COVID and all that, he got the trademark rights to make Ohio State mess. Um, and I just remember, you know, talking to him and also hearing from other people who had applied to use the trademark and how difficult those rights are to, to right. get and all those things. So, I mean, for these kids, that's like an absolute game changer to because, I mean, think about it before, if they want to make T-shirts or anything like that, they couldn't have the block go with Ohio State on it on there. You know what I mean? Like, right. so to be able to make like actual Ohio State shirts or um I wonder how this plays in with how this plays in with shoe deals and 
like uh, merchandise deals with other companies other than Nike. Right. You know, and all, so that, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, there's definitely some fine print. I mean, I can read, you know, what they posted, like, specifically. I mean, it's pretty long, but the last sentence is, the first Ohio State group licensing program will begin by offering jerseys and then grow to include merchandises such as video games, apparel, trading cards, and bobbleheads. Uh-huh. So Ohio State, maybe there's so is NCAA. The question is, is NCAA football the video game coming back out? Oh yeah, it'll be back out for sure. Because that man, I mean. I love Madden back in the day. Like I haven't played video games for years, but I mean, back in the day, like bro, when NCAA football came out, oh, like, that was, the best that was during that was during two a days in summer, right. and I was like the one night of two a days, like right before where you're like, fuck it, I'm staying up all night. I'm gonna get that <laughs> game when it drops at midnight at GameStop. Mom, come on, right? You know, and like we might have been the last uh we were one of the last uh, oh yeah we were teams on or that when they had the game yeah yeah that's why we, we got paid in that lawsuit yeah right in the right. class action and that stuff um yeah dude i had a i had a loading screen in one of the last uh ncaa footballs in the the rivalry the ohio right. state oh i remember yeah yeah yeah, yeah right. pretty wild <laughs> it's it's crazy but um, um but yeah, I mean, so that's exciting news um, in this whole, you know, new realm with the, the NIL deal and NCAA football. Uh, but it'll be cool to see how it plays out. You know, we just wanted to uh, talk about it a little bit, a little bit about it here. Um, it will. Other Ohio State news. What about uh, what about the new QB coming in early? Oh, yeah. N- another Texas boy. Dude, kid's an animal. I love it. Gunslinger. Hey. What the best rated high school quarterback player ever? Right, he's leaving leaving high school a whole year early. Like so, Jeff and I were both early graduates of high school. We both enrolled at Ohio State early, but this kid's taking a whole year. Right, right. And he has a mullet. And he has a mullet, a swaggy mullet. That means he's gonna get to. He'll be eligible to go to the NFL when he's like twenty years old. Right. I mean, he can rip it, and he's got that little Brett Favre uh, sidearm sling and all that. So, it'll be yeah, pretty sweet. Risk, I mean, he wants to get in there and compete. Kid, he's mobile. Could right. you imagine what it would be like to be able to – like, if you're developed enough at that age to go play at Ohio State a whole year earlier and then to be able to go pro a whole year earlier? Like, I mean, I don't – it's kind of hard to, for people to understand, really, what that one year does. Right. So, like – you probably remember this conversation, but just being like when we first got to college, being in the cold tubs and hot tubs with the older guys, you know, like getting ready or for practice or like recovering after practice, you know, we're 18 years old and there's like some 21 year old dudes in there. And at that point they're like, damn, man, I'm so sore from practice. And we're like, what is sore? We're still 18. We don't even get sore like that, you know? Right. And they're like, oh, you guys will get it in a couple of years. You know, a couple of years later, you're popping Celebrex every day and like doing this and that to like try to walk around right during the season. Right. And uh, and then the same thing when you get to the NFL, like you come from college and you think like, oh, damn, like I used to get sore after games, man. You know, and you see these guys in the league who like after practice, they're looking like what you look like after a game. And you're like, what? Like, and then you start to feel like as like, you know, I, I would say by the end of year three in the league, right? the way you feel after a game, your body, like, it's unreal, unimaginable. Like, 
you think what you felt like in college was crazy. It's like I remember just laying, like sitting on the floor one time, and my best friend Plank, like from fourth grade, um, he's part of me and JB's super tight inner circle. Um, he came with me to Pittsburgh when I got drafted, and I'm laying on the floor because I couldn't walk up the stairs. And he's just looking at me. I'm looking at him like, bro, I don't know what to do, man. Like, I can't walk. Like, my ankle is shot. My my shoulders, like, he's like, bro, this is bad. I'm like, yeah, man, we'll crawl up these steps. Can you just bring me a drink up? Like, Right, man. That no. shit is terrible. Yeah, I remember a couple different times, uh, you know, being down on the ground and just couldn't get up. You know, the back uh, – the back and the hips like would catch and I really just couldn't straighten back out and I couldn't make it to get up Bro. on my knees and push up off the ground. It was uh, like an old man in the light alert commercial. Oh, man. Oh, that's exactly what happened to me when I blew my disc out in the oh, back, man. which was like my, you know, career ending injury type of deal. Right, and, man. um, Bro, that I, I wanted to go stand up out of the chair. You know, my back was tight when I sat down. I went to go stand up, and I was just stuck. And I looked over to Dave DeCastro, and I was like, bro, get the trainer. <laughs> trainer! Oh, man. I was I stuck that. there. I couldn't move. They had to, like, carry me into the training room. Yeah, dude. When I Sometimes when I, sometimes when I reflect and uh, think about stuff like that, I'm like, dude, I don't fucking miss that shit at all. No, like, not feeling that. like that. No way. Not that part, bro. No way. Like, oh, what man. you feel on a Monday morning. And then you, the worst part, like, so you feel like this on Monday morning and you're like, really feeling like the, like the devil's armpit. That's you're questioning like. life. You're like, what? You're, the yeah, hell? you're literally <laughs> questioning everything in life. You're like, like well, I don't want to make it 100 yeah. <laughs> I don't want to talk to anybody. Like, I don't care. Like, I might just, I just want to disappear. Right. And you got to go to football. I mean, good game, bad game. Let it be a bad game. You got to go to football and you just have this sense of impending doom because you know it was a terrible game. Like, you guys, you either played a bad game or your team lost. Like, if your team lost and you played a good game, fucking your day's shit, anyways. Like, don't go in there smiling. Yeah, right. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? like bro and not on top of that like you got to watch this bad game film you're sore as hell but you gotta go there and you have to run and you have to lift weights yeah right the they give you acid yeah like <laughs> the they give you about a good like hour to just like think about what you're about to do maybe eat some lunch or something then time to go boys we got we got some sprints you know what i mean like right. we're sprinting bear crawling, fucking, oh, God, things I don't miss. I just like being on my yoga mat. I go stretch, do my own thing, like flush my lactic acid that way. That's one thing. Get these guys and get these guys in a real yoga program during the season and especially during the off season. Talk about recovery and injury prevention. Get out of here. Can't even even take it. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm surprised because you see it incorporated a little bit at some places and teams and whatnot, but I'm really surprised that it's not a lot more uh, adopted and used more in football, especially. Yeah, yeah, you see it at a couple places where they'll have like a teacher come in one time a month or something like that, and right. it's like, what is that going to do? That's like that's like taking offensive linemen and take, having them practice zone steps once a month right. during the season. Right. Like 
what right. you got to do this like individual period every single day you know what i mean like right. Like and, Phil, Phil Jackson would have them like doing breathing and stretching, a little yoga and stuff. Like if they, if some dude, coach really like dedicated some something like that to their team, like I guarantee it would like change something in like an incredible way. Like even bro, beyond, so like, wild, uh, wild story about Phil Jackson. So you know, I teach yoga down here in Tampa, St. Pete. So I've got a fellow teacher whose brother. His brother's name is Chris Min, and he actually was the center who came to the Lakers and took over when Shaq went to Miami. So this guy is 7'1". He's huge. And he comes to my yoga classes, does yoga. And we talk about – we go out to dinner, have, you know, tacos and stuff, Taco Tuesday, He hits his head on the ceiling and stuff. Bro, it's unbelievable. But he (laughs) talks about how he got into yoga because – Phil Jackson was his coach, and Phil made them do yoga and meditate and all that. Right. He's got all these stories about like Kobe Bryant and uh, playing with Kobe and meditation and like all the right. stuff they would do as a team in those regards. Bro, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, dude. you look at how great those teams were and how great right. the players that were on those teams are. Like right. when you can make that mind-body connection, mind-body-soul connection, like and really put it into what you love, it's unbelievable what you can do. Right. And like, some of that breath work, I mean, when you're in a – some of that breath work in the middle of a game, if you're in an adverse situation or getting your ass kicked, it can like take five seconds uh-huh. and take a deep breath. You could get so much more locked in. Completely reset. Yeah. And that's, I think that's something, you know, that I, that I feel like Phil Jackson taught a lot of those guys, you know, with all this stuff they were doing. But uh, yeah, I'm just really surprised you don't see more of it. I mean, it's definitely something where individuals, you know, do it on their own and take advantage of, uh, you know, different services and whatnot. But I'm just really surprised. You know, you got these multi-billion dollar teams now and, you know, no one's really doing it. So, yeah, I mean, it just, you know, they, not that yoga is a mental health um, right. thing necessarily. I mean, it is, right. but it's not like, you know, societally not categorized as that. You right. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, for some reason we put it in the fitness category, which, you know, I don't, I don't know. It's another talk for another time, but um, it just makes all the sense in the world to me to do it. But the NFL doesn't make a lot of sense in anything that they do. You know, and they're definitely not going to invest in the players' mental health. Right. It's just not something that I feel like is a part of the narrative of things that the NFL does for players' mental health. Like, uh, I think it's kind of. I mean, in a lot of instances, the the exact opposite. There's so much pressure on these guys that mm-hmm. they feel like they've got to hide their mental health, right. you know, especially if they've got something going on. Um, and, you know, it's one thing you have these commercials with, um, with like really well-known players who talk about like, you know, their mental health a little. But yeah, like those guys can, they're locked in. They're not going to cut a guy right. who they're paying five, six million dollars a year because he, you know, is depressed you know but a guy who they're paying four hundred and fifty thousand, or you know whatever the minimum eight seven hundred fifty thousand, whatever right. the minimum is like bro your ass is out of there if they think right. you're like a weak link you know what i mean like Absolutely. they don't care they'll cut that loss and send someone that day before yeah. you know what i mean yeah um, sign the so, guy that was like at your workout with you like if you're yeah, a free so agent or something like exactly that guy you went up against in your workout he's yeah. still on speed dial yeah. you know what i mean and so might be yeah, in a hotel I mean, still 
yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's like, you know, they got to get real serious about that. And I mean, there's a lot of things the NFL has got to get real serious about. They, I mean, taking care of guys in general, you know, yeah. healthcare, all those kind of things. But you know how it goes. Right. I mean, that's something we could compile a list of guys from the NFL that have, you know, killed themselves or killed themselves and their families and all sorts of things like that when it comes to oh, yeah. health. I mean, in the NFL, like, I feel like go broke. Yeah. Right. Go broke. Like guys, know, guys who go broke because they're drug abuse. Or I mean, they're, they're mentally jail. not able to work. You know what I mean? These right. guys like the depression and anxiety that happens right. um, from the identity shift and like that whole crisis, but not only that, but like head trauma and the right. effects of all that, that we all hundred percent go through. Right. Um, you know, it like, it's really crazy to see how some guys go through it. And, you know, it's really sad to see that a lot of guys think they're alone, but right. literally it's something that we all deal with. Um, and with that, you know, it's like, you know, I've gone through all these steps, you know, like the whole, like, you know, post-play um, benefits thing, you know, the worst part about it is like a lot of guys don't know their rights when it comes to their post-play benefits. They don't know that there's all these resources out here to help them, right. um, you know, via the NFLPA and things like that. Um, you know, there's ways that you can get help if you're in debt, um, if you, um, if you aren't able to work, you know, like different resources like that. Um, and there's, there's people out there who will help you find those resources. Uh, you know, and you can always feel free to reach out to myself if, if you're a former player and you're looking for any of that kind of stuff. Right. But, um, but yeah, man, it's, it's something that needs a lot of work, mental health, NFL, we got to get them hand in hand. Yeah. So that's something, um, everyone can count on us. We're going to, uh, continue to follow this and uh, continue to have more discussions on uh, mental health, mental health and sports. I'm sure, you know, down the, down the line, we'll uh, bring on, you know, a guest to talk about it too. But, um, but yeah, so you can uh, look forward to us following up on this and uh, maybe compiling some data and stuff to share as well. So uh, thanks. Thanks Mike for sharing all that. It's been a, uh, it's been a great little culture report coming at you live from the stash it or pass it podcast baby and we're back folks welcome to week three of the traffic report on the stash it or pass it podcast i'm your host jeff shugarts sitting here with my man dr b aka reed brimmer and just to set the record straight he's not a real doctor but we call him dr b because those are his initials drb but uh hey <laughs> but um you know just to give a quick quick uh, recap of last week um my man dr b has uh been keeping us updated on the uh, cannabis cannabis administration and opportunities act the safe banking act hit us with the big four u.s pot stocks uh green thumb cresco true leave and cura leaf uh we will have uh, all those symbols and uh, whatnot in the show notes um also uh you got to hear a little bit about the uh make flower great again an old campaign we had when everybody was getting way too into dabbing so reed shared some knowledge on hot dabs and why some of that stuff is bad and you can't let your friends do hot dabs out there but uh you know this week he uh he's got a lot of cool stuff to share with us as far as um some other legislation and uh, some numbers going on in uh, some other states 
But uh, yeah, Reed. So before we get into it, how you doing today, my friend? Doing good. About to uh, run some plants for my little plant business up to an event that our that festival our buddies are doing, and uh, that's about it. That's right, man. Shout out to the What Fest crew. You know, I'm hoping some of y'all are going to be listening to this when you're all tired on Sunday or Monday or something. I don't know. But, uh, you know, Ryan Ransom, Ryan McKee, Kristen McKee, that whole crew, uh, you know, congratulations on, uh, you know, number uh, What Fest number three. So uh, yeah, when we get into it here, so Reed, uh, we were talking, um, you know, a lot of cool stuff going on in Illinois. And, uh, you know, that led me to uh, read a little bit about, you know, what had been going on in Colorado. And, uh, you know, it's pretty, uh, pretty big numbers here. So since 2012, you know, Colorado has had over $10 billion in total recreational marijuana sales and or cannabis sales. Uh, and doing that, you know, collected $1.6 billion in taxes. So, you know, I know last week uh, we talked a little bit um about taxes and whatnot within uh different things and the feds maybe adding on you know they're uh 25 somewhere too but you know just some of these numbers uh you know it just makes you uh really think about what's going to happen with this market you know i know in colorado just in january 2021 alone they had uh 187 million so uh just wanted to hear uh you know what are your thoughts on that and uh, what's going on in illinois no, yeah. So uh, Colorado is obviously going to be probably the uh, most developed recreational market um, in the United States since they were one of the first two states in Washington to pass full rec legalization. Um, so yeah, I think what what was that? 2012 when they passed? Yeah, legalization. Yep. Yeah, yeah so that was that. Almost, and they were they already had that. Now. Yeah, yeah, and it takes uh, a lot of these states when they do legalize uh, takes them a, a couple years to get the the program up and running and and get the industry rolling um so yeah it's pretty crazy what were we saying uh 10 billion in total sales in colorado just on the rack and then what was the the tax revenue for this so the tax revenue for that over and the tax revenue this is just actually over the last six years is 1.6 billion dollars yeah unreal yeah wow that's crazy. Right. So Unreal. Yeah. So, uh, so that had me thinking, I, I've been following Illinois, um, a lot They're They're in the second year of their uh, rec program. Um, and they kind of struggled the first year to, to get things rolling. Um, but that's a state that's two times the size of Colorado population wise, you know, and you do have Colorado's kind of destination spot for cannabis now, which I don't know if Illinois will probably never be that maybe regionally, but nationally Colorado is already. Plus right. you have tons of tourism because of all the skiing and stuff out there. Right. Um, but I do think people still travel, you know, from around the country to visit Chicago. I mean, the state as a whole is way bigger population wise. Um, so yeah, in the first year of their uh, cannabis program, so last, January of 2020 last year, um, they did just under 40 million in sales, 39 million in total. Um, and then in July of last year, they did 60 million. Um, and this year they just released their numbers for, for, uh, what they did in revenue this year as a state. And they did a uh, 127 mil, uh, yeah, million. Um, so that's up. Yeah. It's over doubled the amount of, of revenue in just one year. Um, and there's still, what, what do we say? 
January in Colorado was 180 something million. So there's yeah, still just, in, just in one month. <laughs> yeah, unreal. So right. a lot of room for growth there. Which right. yeah, that's crazy. So you see that the, the amount of tax revenue coming in there. You know, you, you got to think some other states in the Midwest are gonna say, "Damn, we're missing out on all that." And right, you know, our 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 people are going to Illinois to shop wreck. You know, maybe it will spur a few to move right. a little quicker on it. Yeah, I mean, because that's the thing too. Like people are still smoking, and uh, they know that. And I mean, obviously, you know, there might be some uh, some new people that come to the table when it is completely legal where you live, but. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that's the elephant in the room, like, because I'm sure even some of the Congress people sitting in there probably, uh, you know, smoke some, something every now and then or grab yeah, an edible, especially right. when they're going on vacation, going out of town, going yeah. somewhere it's legal, like people don't bat an eye about that these days. So, no. yeah, but, how crazy. So, um, <laughs> right. yeah. And then the other thing in Illinois is uh, they had passed, um, they issued a new round of, of licenses. Um, and let me see here. Um, but yeah, they issued a new round of licenses and this was supposed to like kind of, uh, deal with social equity a little bit more. Um, and let's see here. Yes. They permitted 70 adult use cannabis licenses, 70 new ones, 32 for craft cultivators, 28 to processors, and then 10 to transporters. I mean, it says more than 80% of the licenses issued fall under the category of social equity ownership as the state tries to make good on its pledge to diversify the industry and provide opportunities to individuals and communities most harmed by the war on drugs. Um, so I, I think that's pretty cool. Illinois is one of the first states to really follow through on the social equity, you know, side of things. Right. Um, and that's also, it's pretty crazy because that's just going to help the the revenue numbers go up even further now that they've got more people operating there. Right. So still getting the industry going there as a, on the whole. Yeah. Cause um, I mean, it's great to see that, that they are, uh, you know, really holding up their end of the bargain there. Uh, you know, if you want to call it that, as far as uh, the social equity of the, that, um, you know, bill goes, uh, cause you want to see it other places. I was uh, actually just looking for a, uh, for a stat about it that me and Mike were talking about, but you know, I, I want to say uh, within it was something along the lines of the cannabis industry, you know, ballooning to a hundred billion dollars. And right yeah. now there's there's only a two percent of all the companies um, you have black CEOs. Yeah. Or so, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it was I did see that. I don't know if it's black ownership or black, black ownership, black, black employees CEOs. in general. Um, but yeah. And you're but, just like, yeah. damn. <laughs> Yeah, and I don't know. How, yeah, I don't. I, I don't. I didn't really read much on that, so I don't know what the right. exact numbers are. Or, um, yeah, I mean, I don't have enough is. to like really talk much about it, but it was something where I was just like, man, and it was on uh, like Business Insider. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely an industry that's kind of been dominated by white males in general. Um, right. You know, but but I think that will hopefully change a little bit Absolutely. over time. Here. So, but, uh, you know, so I know we have uh, a couple more updates as well. And, uh, one is on, uh, you know, the Northern front and that is, uh, yeah. to our friends up North, uh, the Canadians. Um, so I know we had, uh, talked about a little bit, the, uh, the line being drawn in the sand over North America for, you know, who's going to win over the American, uh, the American business. Cause that's where, uh, the sales are at. And a lot of Canadian companies are dependent, you know, on that too. So, Reed was going to share some numbers with us from our friends at Canopy Growth. 
Yeah, no, I just I thought this was actually just pretty funny. Um, but we were talking about how the it seems like the uh, American companies are kind of pulling ahead um, as far as the race to dominate cannabis in America and potentially globally. But uh, so Canopy, they've lost one point seven billion dollars last year um, in total. And which, yeah, that's pretty mind blowing. Gosh. Yeah, right. But uh but yeah, then despite that, all their uh, their executives were getting a, a, a some raises, <laughs> um, some compensation was being increased, and I forget what did they say the reasoning for that was in the article. I was I was dying at it though. Um, well, another thing that's funny too is because cannabis growth, you'll get on uh, CNBC and you'll hear someone talking about them uh, when they're when Kramer. They're talking. I feel like it's always been kind of pushing <laughs> CNBC. Right. Their, uh, the canopy yeah. but yeah it says uh executives received more than four million dollars in cash bonuses <laughs> after making solid progress on solid progress on the year right even as the company lost 1.7 billion and laid off hundreds of employees which i get you're gonna have to lay people off because of covid and and whatnot but right it's just funny that, that they uh, lost that much money and got you know compensated extra still Hey, and that's why uh, last week we stashed the big four, Green Thumb, GTBIF, Cresco, CRLBF, True Leaf, TCNNF, Cure Leaf, CRLF. And, uh, you know, I'm going to stash yeah, those know, again this week. Yeah, and I don't think that the Canadian companies, like I think they'll have, some of them will do well in the long term. Um, and they'll have, you know, they kind of went around and staked their flags in all these different regions since they couldn't come into America. So, you know, they're kind of banking on Europe, uh, you know, developing into a, a large consumer of cannabis, and they'll be the, the leaders there, um, South America, stuff like that. So um, right. that's kind of what they're banking on. It's going to take them a little bit longer to start making revenue. And honestly, until they're in America, they're going to be, be reporting losses annually. So... Yeah, I mean, I, I'd imagine, uh, you know, Canadians definitely smoke or, uh, you know, use cannabis, but, you know, there's just there's definitely, yeah, there's not enough of them, right? Yeah, and actually, uh, it's kind of interesting that the laws in a lot of areas up there are more strict, too. Um, there's some places where you can only buy 10 milligram edibles at a time, so that'd be like an individually packaged oh, wow. 10 milligram Um But yeah, one area where Canada will definitely, it's they're so going to be a global waste. player. Yeah, it's it's so stupid. It's so um, much waste. I mean, there's more but, paper yeah, and plastic. Things, things are a little more regulated up there. I feel like in general. Um, right. But one thing that I uh, I do think Canada will, you know, they'll have a presence in the global cannabis community forever, just because all these American companies had to go up there to get um, to uplist or not, yeah, you know, to get on the stock exchange and yeah. be publicly traded. So, um, you know, the, the financial sector in Canada is always going to be you know, some, some type of a hub for cannabis and, and whatnot. And since it's, you know, it's been established there a lot longer. Right. I mean, they've been able to happens. do, do a lot more research up there too. Yeah, that too. Yeah. And there are companies that are a little more on the cutting edge and mm. more, more in the medical field, right. like the actual pharmaceuticals that are looking at, at, uh, you know, being pretty prominent down the road. Yeah. And then there's companies actually, there's one, there's a lab in Toronto, um, and they're like experimenting with producing cannabinoids and stuff uh, through yeast, which I don't really understand oh, wow. the whole process. Yeah. But, um, you know, it sounds like that there, there might be a come a day when all your your edible products are made with, you know, 
the, these formulations that are made through through yeast um, right in the lab so you know maybe they won't be grown in flour and then processed and formulated that way forever that's interesting yeah um that's what's kind of funny too with canada because a lot of uh you know the crypto companies or bitcoin mining companies and different things yeah. like that they're all out of canada too yeah all right is there is is it just kind of they they made up regulations up there well and they were or it's, not, just, it's not really regulated in america on the crypto yeah i mean i know like like invest voyager i mean they're on that exchange yeah. like the otc exchange yeah, um yeah. the same thing just with some of the smaller uh like i think even like riot uh riot blockchain yeah, they might yeah. be they might be otcs to, uh too still but different a lot of those companies they're all uh they all trade over there and, and whatnot so just think it's interesting because you would think you know it'd be easier in america but yeah <clears throat> but uh but yeah and then uh you know i know we had one more update and i uh i thought this one was pretty cool because uh you know i used to work in uh medical sales i was in um i was in the trauma the trauma room so i was always in the or and whatnot but uh i got to work at a uh at a vet's memorial hospital uh, a few times and uh, so this was an update about the uh, U.S. veterans that uh, Reed was going to give us. Yeah, um, it was just that these, the Senate Appropriations Committee had passed uh, something that basically was going to prevent the VA from interfering and in, with uh, patients who are medically, you know, prescribed and in, in states that where it's legal. Um, so they're going to kind of sounds like this gets passed. Let let people that are you know, getting medical treatment through the VA also do their own thing with the state as far as, you know, medical or recreational cannabis goes. Cool. No, I mean, that's great to hear because, I mean, you know it, uh, there's definitely, uh, you know, great, uh, great things cannabis can do for uh, a lot of these guys and gals and, uh, you know, our veterans that uh, fought for us just as far as being prescribed to that versus, uh, you know, something else, a pain yeah, pill or, or whatever. Yeah, so. exactly. If they don't want to fucking do opioids and, you know, this is what's going to help them. I mean, these guys risked it all to, right. you know, to protect America. So you got to let them make right. their own decisions on that kind of stuff. Absolutely. So, well, cool, man. I know, uh, I know you got to get out of here pretty quick, headed yeah. up to uh, what fest to decorate the stage and stuff. But uh, real quick, just so what's your, uh, your plant company? Uh, that you're going to be oh yeah uh, just dr b's uh flora um yeah just lately i've been decorating uh for stages and events and stuff mainly um cool but yeah i'm pretty into you know i used to grow cannabis and got into plants that way and then you know we got sean sean was what started it all he used to have you pulled a, a plant out of the trash <laughs> at apartment complex and we kind of nursed it back to health together yep and named it Sean and started talking to it. And then I was like, Oh, it's kind of fun. I'm going to start doing some more plants, got really into it and turned a little hobby into a business. So absolutely love to see it. Well, Reed, thanks again. Um, Just as far as uh, keeping us updated, you know, we'll circle back to the, uh, the cannabis administration opportunities act and the safe banking act and keep everybody updated what's going on in the uh, Candace cannabis industry and the news and the financial markets but again reed can't thank you enough man you have a good day and uh i'll talk to you soon yes sir thank you and as promised folks here we are live with hbo max's newest star
He's a friend of ours, a former teammate. And I just real quick want to say thanks to Alyssa who let us get him on the air here at Stash It or Pass It. And uh, without further ado, here's Jamie Wood coming at us live from F-Boy Island. What's up, fellas? What's up? I wouldn't even say I wouldn't say a star, but hey, I was on it. So, yeah, it's a pleasure to be on the podcast. Um, I'm happy to see you, too. Happy to see you guys are doing well. Still still growing it up, man. Y'all boys are inseparable. (laughs) Absolutely. You know how it is, man. You know, you you keep what you what you need more of in your life close and you let go of the rest. It always goes through, especially with friends. Just like Gary and Casey on the show. Uh, just like you and Casey on the show. Let's start. They call, right they in, call it Gacy is what they call each other. They call each other Gacy. So. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I could definitely see that after uh, I got to watch the first six episodes. You know, it dropped July 29th. We had uh, another three episodes came out today. But uh, but yeah, Jamie, I mean, first things first, man, what's uh, what's it like being on reality TV? You know, I know they they had y'all quarantining, it looked like before. You told me you went down there in March. Did you have to keep this a secret? It seemed like it was a little bit on the hush hush. And all of a sudden, I'm like, my dude is on HBO. <laughs> yeah, man, it was super low key, super low key, man. It was uh, a random DM I got in December. Uh, and, you know, it was like a West. It was like one o'clock in the, in the morning. Uh, and I'm thinking, like, this has to be spam or somebody trying to prank me. And they're like, you know, I've got, you know, we're shooting this new dating reality show for HBO Max. Is this something you would like you would like to do? If so, let me know. And so I'm I'm giving it some time. I answer the next day and they're like, well, you know, do you mind getting on a call? And I'm like, man, okay, this might be real. This might be real. (laughs) So We go through like two or three interviews over Zoom, one with like a set of people the next one with like HBO network. And then there was like a final one. And then you like, you hear nothing from like nothing from them at all um, for like uh, about a month and a half. And then um, like early, I want to say early February that you get it. I got a call and they're like, like Jamie, uh, you're in. (laughs) And I had no clue what I was in for. It was called the untitled dating show. And they told us it was going to be on a tropical island. And that's all like a nice island dating competition, untitled dating show was all. How long did you have uh, from when you found out to when you had to go out uh, to the filming? Literally like two weeks. So I had to let I had to let like my job know like a month in advance that this may happen. You had to let Um, Doug Archie know? You said what? You had to let Doug Archie know? Yeah, Doug Archie. I had to let Doug Archie know. And I actually talked to Gene, too. And, Damn, well, uh, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, just to let people, like, because it's, it's an image thing. It's an optic right. thing. I'm going in. My job is Ohio State. So it was going to come up one way or another. And I felt like I should let them know ahead of time. Especially, so I mean, I'm so glad I did. you were an F-boy, they might not have let you on, but you told them you'd be a good guy. <laughs> yeah, when did, right. so I saw that um, – it was mainly like whenever guys get cut off the show and they have to, you know, say if they're an F boy or, or a good guy or a nice guy. When did you uh, make like those videos, like the audition tapes? Did you have to make one? Yeah, that was a part of that was like those zooms I was talking about. Oh, they okay. were recording right. that entire time. And so like the F boys obviously were like off the wall. With yeah. Wow. <laughs> saying whatever. Yeah, it was tough. They were casted as so they could just be in character. Some of that could have been made up. Right. Um, yeah, for sure. But like for me, it was easy. It's just talking about I was keeping it real. 
Right, right. No, so I know when you're in that house, man, some of these young young cats in there, I know you had to be sitting them down, be like, all right, let, let me tell you how what life's really about, kid. <laughs> man, yeah, what's it like? Because you're how old now, Jamie? 30? Uh, yeah, I turned 30 actually on the show. Hey, like, well, okay. Oh, oh, damn. And what's like the average age of the other fellas on the show? You so the, the youngest guy was 22. I think that was Matt Chamberlain and Tariq. Tariq okay. is, uh, man, he's he's 22, like, in his years, but he's like a mature 22 year old. He's all right. tatted. The nicest dude ever, though. He was actually my roommate. When we were in the cottages. Um, and then the oldest dude was Garrett Powers. <laughs> the firefighter, he, dude. Yeah, guy. yeah, firefighter, former Navy. Um, a good dude. He's, yeah, he's he seemed a quirky, like a good guy. He was in a weird, a quirky probably, dude, though. Probably not his best environment. You know, he definitely, I don't know. In that episode, they made him look weird. For sure. Yeah, like a, he's pretty assertive. He, he's the type that uh, we'll do a shot talk. later. <laughs> <laughs> and it definitely made him look pretty weird there. Oh, shot man. later. <laughs> and, and, then like, the po- oh, and then the poem. Like, oh, dude, the poem. What did what, y'all think about the poem? I mean, I don't know, dude. I was just, I was lost of words. <laughs> yeah. It it's was like good for TV. It's like that, uh, that awkward, like that third hand embarrassment where you're just like, oh, bro, stop it, stop it, stop it. Like, crazy. yeah, and you saw my face, right? Like, yeah. I was like, <laughs> like what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what about uh, so, so when they have everybody lined up on the pool, you know, I see you sit, standing out there in a fresh suit. It's probably 115 degrees. You know, the yeah, what are you probably, doing out in the suit with the dumbbell on 130? Yeah, what was going on? Out no, there? that wasn't with the dumbbell. That, that's a whole different story. <laughs> the, the jacket, bro, like, I, I don't know. I knew it was going to pop. Um, oh, yeah. My you got forehead her to stop. was like glistening and sweating. I'm, I'm, I am hot. <laughs> but I got linen pants on, so I felt like it was cool. It was, it was worth it. It was a first yeah. impression. And it actually did what I thought it was going to do. So. Yeah, man, she stopped. She, she did a double look, take. Right off the bat. I thought she was that. acting though. Like I thought she was acting, but then she followed up by giving me that band. Right. So I was like, oh, oh shoot, like we're in there now. We're good. And then and then the uh, you know, that was the prime time of the episode happened. <laughs> that was the that was the uh that was the peak. Yeah, right. That was the climax of episode one, man. Y'all yeah. are sitting in the VIP, you got the hottest chick on the show looking at you dead in your eyes. And what what'd you say? <laughs> well, nah, you, you, say you might have to pull it, you might have to pull a clip. Yeah, I know, right? Put it in the podcast, but go ahead, Mike. What was it? She said she said she can be argumentative, right? Man, and and you and Jamie comes out here and he's like, "Oh, so what? You got a little toxicity?" Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, I mean, can a person have, you know, can a person have toxic reactions or toxic traits without being a toxic person? I mean, I think it speaks volumes and triggers. That's a whole nother conversation for another time. But man, it she wasn't having any of it. It is. And, and I, I said toxicity because I wasn't trying to label her as toxic. I was right. saying, like, you had you got a little bit in the tank. Like, <laughs> and, right. and, and, and like the thing that I would have followed that up with, and I, I actually end up in my elimination speech when I was up there, they didn't show this. One, we'll talk about what I said. She yeah. said something about being arrested or like if if somebody matched my energy, we would end up arrested. Yeah, right. I'm like, what? Like, that's a red flag <laughs> if I've never seen one. Right. And, and then but but the the real about that conversation, 
one, I was the third person to talk to her. I didn't, I didn't have my VIP date with her first. Peter did. And he came back to me about this damn pterodactyl. And he was so shook, bro. Like every bit of what he showed on his face, he was really like, he was really shook. Like, man, she, uh-huh. she said pterodactyl. pterodactyl. <laughs> oh man. He sounded bad too. That felt so awkward for him. In that moment. Yeah. I got weak. I got weak at that. But but then Casey had his date. Um, and then I actually stepped in on Casey and was like, bro, like you've been talking for a minute. Like, can I can I guess can I get my time now? The VIP and so we time. have that conversation. Yeah, we have that conversation. And I say that, but the conversation continued after I said toxicity. It didn't right. end there. They made it look like she made she kicked you out. Right <laughs> exactly. Yeah, right. You, it did. It did. And right, it's right. it's cool, man. It's all fun in TV, reality right. TV. Um, but that's your TV magic. To her, having that combo, what was it like? Like, did you feel like you were on a timer? Because you really connect. Like, uh, like, what, like, what was the pressure like to try to get to know somebody so quick in such like a you know, an environment outside your comfort zone like that. Most deaf, man. And it, it, it was extremely, I, I was nervous, man. I tried not to show it. Um, but one, you got camera, you got like these big heavy duty cameras, like all around you. Right. So, you know, when you're being recorded, it's not like it's, it's far away. It's right yeah. in your face. Um, there's producers all around you. And, you know, and so we had our conversation and, and for me, I did not go straight into, so tell me how you view life. That wasn't, <laughs> that wasn't it. it, it not was like, you are. That, that's not far-fetched, though. That might be something I shoot, especially <laughs> if I had a couple of drinks. I might go there out the gate because that's just me. But no, I was smoother than that. I, we had a conversation first, and then we had that. So it's just funny, man. It, it was nerve-wracking, but it, there was the pressure to, like, you want to capitalize on each moment. Like, Right. And, and and especially coming out the gate so hot, it's like it's your bag to, to fumble. It's your it's your ball to drop. And so right. and, and that happened. But <laughs> we'll talk hey, that's about why that. play, that's why you play DB, brother. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hey, and just so people that might not know, because we got a little excited. So this show, F Boy Island on HBO Max, there's started off with 24 guys. There were 12 nice guys and 12 self-proclaimed F boys. Jamie was a nice guy. And, uh, you know, that's basically where we're at now. So now um, I was just curious, Jamie, like being in that house and meeting some of these dudes, you know, I noticed there were at least three out of 24 were repping from Ohio. So that's yeah. pretty good numbers off the bat, right? It is. It is. Yeah, there's some hometown boys there. But, yeah, so we had Casey from uh, from Cleveland. And I know you're friends with him now. And he, he went to Toledo. And then a guy, Colin, both of these dudes are basically in the finals because uh, – Episode six, you know, Casey busted out of uh, Limbro Island and uh, mm-hmm. and he's taken off. He's trying to go get his love CJ back on uh, on F-Boy Island. So we'll see what spoiler, happens with that. Spoiler alert. You might want to throw that up there. Oh, I mean, come on. Everybody. <laughs> should be, by the time this comes out, everybody should be caught up, right? They should be. You're right. <laughs> no, but um, I mean, what was it like meeting some of these other dudes? Because I know just seeing everyone, all these different backgrounds, you know, they throw up some of their back or uh, what they do for a living on there. But. You know, like I was texting you and stuff about uh, the huge dude, OG Jared. You know, I'm asking like, how tall are these dudes or what do they really like? Because you never really know on TV. So, no, nah, you don't. I, I, I would say um, the, the, the big thing that I. So so it was like the locker room. Right. That's, that's the closest right. correlation I would have to like 
draw from this experience. Um, even just walking away, you go through, like we did, some unique experiences that n- very little people can or no one can relate to right. Once unless they were in that. Right. And so, right. so it was did, almost did you like a with with some good relationships. You said so what now? Did you come away with it with some good relationships? You still talk to the guys or? Yeah, we got like a group chat going on on in Instagram and we're all trying to support each other in our, you know, our separate interests. Um, everybody is not getting along with everybody um, right. after the after the show. But for the most part, it's, there's a brotherhood there, you know, uh, uh, F boy or F family, um, <laughs> if you want to call it following, right. you know, the show. So did you uh, did you end up staying uh, friends with the guys that weren't the originals? Because I remember y'all were making your own cheer there that one night for the OGF boys, and then there were the new F boys. <laughs> yeah, those three have been we've we've adopted them too. Um, yep. We've adopted them. They actually were on quarantine with us, and then like they brought all of us into right. the game, and we're like, man, where are these three? Like, what, what's what's going on? There were actually two others that didn't make the cut for some reason. They sent them back home. Probably just had them as backup or something. It, that might have been the case. That would suck, though. If you get out there, spend two weeks quarantining, and get sent home. Yeah, and where were y'all? We were in the Cayman Islands. Cayman Islands, cool. Yeah, we were on lockdown. Couldn't do anything. They had people delivering us food. No gym. So I was on couldn't... the porch getting it in. No so gym. I know when y'all were quarantined, when y'all were actually on the island and stuff, did y'all ever leave like that little compound or the house or anything? No, it was secured security. I mean, we're a, a liability, bro. Especially when you got some of these characters. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm I'm compliant, so you know I'm a I'm a rule follower now. Right. But like Wait. these other dudes are legit f boys, and they going out trying to were they trying to do some stuff? Find anything? Yeah, some that local. was happening. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, sneaking out and stuff like so we had some dude. We're dudes getting out there and like getting some weed or anything, bringing some contraband back in the house. Uh, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't, I don't know, know what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, some of those, maybe those girls too. I mean, they did not seem innocent by any means. There might have been a few F girls there. And there, I, honestly, I think there's a twist to this. There's some type of message and whatever. There's like a social experiment. Is right. I absolutely. kind of went in thinking it is. Right. I don't know. I don't know what's to be revealed. There's so many like twists and turns and so much uncertainty that we went into this with that they like yeah. on elimination nights bro they would have us sitting on a bus this was like 11 o'clock at night after being in the sun all day sitting on a bus you get dressed <laughs> up and you're waiting on the bus for about two hours to then go and do the elimination piece they oh, also man. made you pack your bags every elimination day. oh man <laughs> and so even you really you- like the uncertainty was real Oh, it was real. They were trying to screw us up, man. No yeah. phones, no anything. We had like that was our life. Wow, man, that's so, weird. How that's uh, can you even talk to your parents or anything while you're there? Then you get an hour a week for <laughs> phone calls. It really is like camp, right? Like I remember those ones. Yeah, it was rough. Yeah, that year in football camp where we all had to give our phones up. Yeah, it's probably Jamie's freshman year. Yeah, that was was one year. That was phones with old SIM cards and just kept our real ones. That was that was horrible, bro. I remember that. (laughs) And we were staying at the uh, what was it? The varsity. What was it called? University University Plaza. It was such a bad hotel. They knocked it down. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't a bad hotel. It was just old. It wasn't that great. We had bad memories there. It was a camp. It was a camp hotel. I mean, I, I probably wouldn't really stay there these days. 
if, if you know, I'd probably go somewhere. <laughs> wouldn't pay to stay there, but like, you know. Right. Yeah, but I always say some fire extinguishers off the wall, and nobody went to jail, and like things like that. Dom Clark, we needed at the time throwing mattresses in the pool. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, we threw. uh, I think Norwells and Jacks. Yeah, Yeah. that was crazy. That's probably why they're. That's 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 actually hazy. Y'all should have gotten trouble for that. I know. Is that what it would that be hazing these days? Yeah, I'll probably still report you guys and see if we can get you in some trouble. Yeah, speaking of, can I get my uh, can I get my wins back and my records? Oh, man. Don't make us get into this. Again. I'm about to I'm about to get off of here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Live in the compliance office, two five. Chill out, bro. Oh no, <laughs> love it, love it. Yeah. Well, oh, what about but, what about Chris? Chris was a kind of weird guy. I just wanted to ask about him real quick before before we get off. And you know, new Jared, he kind of looks like Russell Wilson, right? Yeah, that's what we all were, like, saying. He's a smooth dude. Came in real strong. I for sure thought he was an F-boy. Just the way he would, like, stare at these girls and shit, too. I'm like, yeah, dude, there's no way this dude's nice. He, he might be. He I might think, be. I, I think, think we, all got a little, we all got a little F-boy in us. It's, it lives in all of us. That's that shadow, uh, Mike, that shadow. Yeah, yeah that's that shadow. That's the stuff you got to do the work on. That's no that's. Right. That's what I was wondering. I'm like, man, if I was on this show, I guess, like, what, would I be an F-boy or a nice guy? I guess it depends on what which point in my life. Part of my life. Right? Yeah, yeah no which part of my life. Because no OG doubt. Jared, man, he, he got deep. I mean, I thought maybe he was a nice guy, but I was like, I don't know, man. He's ripped. He's 6'3". He's got hanging earrings, like wild-ass yeah. hair. I'm like, this dude can't be a nice guy. A smooth dude. What? How would y'all define F-boy? Oh. Mike? Let's start with Mike. Well, I mean, I guess uh, for me, it comes down to intentions and someone who, uh, man, it's a, it's like a Bob Marley quote that just speaks out to me. I think it has something to do with like awakening the love in a woman without having any intentions of loving her. Um, so I, I guess like intentions, I think, are what does it, you know, and it's kind of like, are you out here just like purposely, you know, manipulating people's feelings and things for your own personal gain, whatever that may be, um, stepping stone status, uh, physical pleasure, you know, all that. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's, that's where I would say it is. Um, you know, I think all of us men and women alike have those moments, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, whether it's something innocent and you're like the person in high school who, friend zones your best friend and then like comes back five years later and is like oh but i love you always you know like it's all those weird things like there's levels to it you know what i mean yes. like, physical fuck boys they're gonna be mental fuck girls like whatever you want to call it like i think uh i think for me that's what it's all in the intention yeah and i would uh, i'd have to agree with a lot of that i mean that was pretty deep and he hit just about every <laughs> level of <laughs> yeah, he, yeah he, he was ready for that one <laughs> right but no i mean definitely you know, what, what are your intentions i mean there's definitely people out here that you know at times are you know living double lives and whatnot and then like almost making it someone else's fault like in those situations or you know knowing that they did something wrong but then being able to manipulate someone's mind into thinking it was their fault and like things like that i think are that's definitely you know, f-boyish yeah very very yeah. f-boyish you know and then like on the yeah. show it's like you know the classic club promoter vibes and things like that but you know that's just that's almost just part of the fucking jungle man like growing up and going through 
your teens, adolescents, college, whatever you're doing, hitting the clubs. I mean, it's you're gonna all, fucking... all part of the all part of the growth, right? Man. It's like it watching is. that caveman learn how to walk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to to become upright and upright man. So. Right, absolutely, man. So, well, shit, Jamie, man, thank you so much. This was uh, this talk got deep. You know, it was fun. We were really excited. You know, I'm still uh, gonna be following the show. You know. I was really pissed when he got eliminated, you know, but honestly, bro, I think you're too good for these girls, you know, nothing yeah. against them, but my man, based off what I've seen in six episodes, you know, I'm team wood and that's it. There it is. There it is. Okay. I, I would love to have shared like kind of what happened behind my elimination. Cause it's not explained. Yeah, absolutely. So before we get off, so it was episode two. Yeah. You know, I'm going into this man thinking they're going to fuel us with drinks. Like, all the time right they didn't and it was like very sporadic and random and you're like limited to like a drink per hour or two drinks per hour and that night the second episode we had a night over there we had or no we had drinks at the cottages and the girls showed up eventually man i got i got lit i i I definitely had (laughs) a, a little bit more than i usually drink Plus, I, had, I hadn't drank in like a month or so. Right, right. And so I get lit, man. But we have like this real deep talk at the hub where all the guys hang out. And we're talking about relationships. We're talking about life. And then, man, like I'm talking about my my, my marriage and my like, yeah. you know, recent divorce oh, yeah. and whatnot. And the, they send, the producers send two of the girls up by the hub, like by where we're at. And I'm like... Oh, the guys are saying, hey, what's up? Stand up, giving them a hug. But we're in the middle of like real deep talk. And like, I'm already there. And it it, it takes very little for me to like open up and share. Once it's open, I'm there. And so I had, you know, Nakia, I think it was, asked me a question about my marriage. And um, or asked me a question about, yeah, you've never been in a like you. Do you do long relationships? And I was like, yeah, I was married for five years. And I kind of like just went in on kind of yeah. explaining that, how I've grown, this and that. And she she perceived that as like, bro, like you're not healed. You're not ready for this. Right. And that's why she said that in the elimination speech. Right, right. Um, yeah, because that was like pretty cold from her out of nowhere. And I don't think anyone was. expected that. Yeah, yeah, right. It was. And so I kind of, I, I did fumble the rock. I kind of like overshared a little bit, but I also, it showed a little bit about where she was. Like, and my right. point was that you, you have your perception of where I am in my healing process and you have right. every right to have that, but healing is personal. It's, it's, it's up, like, it's, it's something that I, it's a daily decision. It's a daily right. process. It's not a destination. So Absolutely. that was it, man. I, I went out with pride and respect. I didn't have expectations going into this other yeah. than to meet some dope people and have a good time. Hey, that's all you can do. You know what I mean? You go on you be yourself. Uh, you share whatever feels good to share. And, you know, if it's for you, it's for you. If it's not, it's not. There you know, it is. You're here. You're here. You had a great experience. We're all proud of you. Um, and I pray it's, it's been great watching one of our guys on TV. <laughs> um, you know, and we're glad to see one of the good guys, brother. And that's all, folks. Thanks again for being with us. This is week three of the Stash It or Pass It podcast. Don't forget to check out those show notes. We got a bunch of referral links in there. We also have a lot of the different topics that we uh, reviewed this week as well. So, uh, you you know, again, just make sure you check those out. 
Uh, I'm your host, Jeff Shugarts. And until next time, my friends, stash it.